everybody. Welcome back to We Are The Batman. I'm Mike. And this is Matthew. All right, guys, we are back for part two of our breakdown of The Dark Knight, breaking this into two because it's The Dark Knight. Uh, but it is also the first of the month, which means it's time for us to take a look back at some of the news that dropped uh, over the last month and see if we missed anything big in particular. Uh, Matt, I've only really got two pieces of news that are kind of worth talking about, mostly just we committed to this and now it would be a shame if we didn't do it. So, <laughs> um, is there anything in particular you want to talk about before I bring up these two articles I have? Um, does one of them talk about the fact that they were getting a second season of My Adventures with Superman? No, it did not. But thank you for bringing that up. We are officially getting a season two of My Adventures with Superman, ladies and gentlemen. Which is fantastic because I love that absolutely. show. That show's so good. Talk about sleeper hit of the year, man. Talk, at least for us, talk about a show I had no knowledge of and is still hanging with me yeah uh weeks after it finished what a good show what a good show um all right two small two small pieces uh one of these is kind of like been circulating how the hollywood rumor mill for years but it was kind of nice to have it uh put some 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 clarity on it uh matthew vaughn was on the uh happy sack confused podcast and actually talked about how he had pitched um a superman trilogy prior to the release of man of steel before man of steel was a thing Okay. He had pitched a uh, Superman uh, trilogy to DC. Um, don't have a whole lot of information on it, other than it was going to involve Luther, Zod, and Brainiac across the trilogy. Which, I mean, if you're going to do three Superman movies, those are kind of the three villains you want to. I mean, you yeah. want to have. I mean, those are kind of the big three. That's like you know, Joker, Two Face, and Penguin, or something. You know, for Batman. <laughs> um, look, I like Matthew Vaughn. Matthew Vaughn's been talking some crap lately, and I kind of wish he'd stop uh but um I, I i'd watch a matthew vaughn superman movie i like matthew vaughn uh, um... what <laughs> no I, I didn't like first class i thought the first oh uh, that's fair i said i liked first class i didn't love it but i liked it it was, it was fine uh, but what, it's harmless it's what, harmless what was the one with uh colin firth the my first oh, the kingsman movies he did yeah, he did kingsman. Yeah, he uh, he directed all three Kingsman movies. I like the majority of the first one. I feel like we were there for Colin Firth, and then once he disappears, I'm I'm gone. But other Colin than that, Firth did kind of steal the movie. Him yeah. and Mark Strong kind of stole the movie from uh, uh, guy with the hard name uh, who plays the lead in those shit. Taron Egerton. Taron Egerton. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Look, we've got Taron Egerton, Ansel Elgort, and Anson Mount. Okay, can we can we get some normal fucking names? <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, no, Matthew Vaughn. I like Matthew Vaughn. I also there I we mean, go. I, I like I, Stardust. I know we haven't talked about that movie because we haven't done our top three. Vertical. No, no, we haven't, and we will. Um, but like Kick Ass, Kick Ass is a good movie. That first Kick Ass movie, really good. I haven't seen the second one. I heard it's kind of eh, but that first Kick Ass. Yeah, the first kick-ass. I mean, what an announcement for Chloe Grace Moretz and Aaron Taylor Johnson. I mean, holy cow. What a what a performance from those two in a breakout. Also, Nick Cage, just saying, kind of the best. It's Nicolas Cage. Uh, yeah. Mark and, Strong, again. And Argyle, like, Argyle's this movie that either it I'm going to love it or I'm going to be super mad because yeah. I develop, I was developing a script last year that I was thinking about doing mm -hmm. that. It looks like they may have done ahead of my idea, 
but we won't know until the movie comes out. <laughs> right. Is, is Argyle based on something or is it just an original? Because uh, it looks like it would be based on. It's like, not based. It's, it's, is, it, is it really? It looks like it would be. It looks like yeah. it would be based on like an old comic strip or some bullshit. No, I don't know. It's brand new. Uh, and it's like I said, if it does what I think it's going to do, then I'm going to be really mad because it's going to take my idea. But well, it's, um, a, it's also got a stacked cast. I mean, I mean, that cast is. Henry Cavill, Bryce Dallas Howard, Sam Rockwell, Brian Cranston, Catherine O'Hara, Dua Lipa, John Cena, Sam Jackson, Sophia Batella, Rob Delaney. That's 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 insane. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, it's that, that's it's, ridiculous. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, Sam Rockwell is a, a special agent. Like he doesn't do action a lot, yeah. but when he does, he does such a great job with it. Well, it was written by it was written by I love this guy's name by by Jason Fox, um, F U C H S everybody uh, who uh, um, has not worked on a whole lot that i've seen um but as a writer he has done some work on things like it chapter two um or no i'm sorry he was an actor in that uh wow i take that back all his writing is terrible Ooh, ooh, i don't feel good about this dude oh i was looking i was looking at his filmography and i suddenly realized oh those are all acting roles his writing is one column down as a screenwriter he has worked on Ice Age Continental Drift, <laughs> uh, Pan, which was atrocious, um, and the last thing he worked on as a writer uh, was I Still See You, which was um, a Bella Thorne movie and, uh, from 2018, and the less things said about that, uh, the better. So I am suddenly less excited for that movie because suddenly, every, uh, suddenly the writer is not good. So anyway. <laughs> Fair. So uh, we're also going to move on to uh, last piece of news here. Uh, this this just came out a few days ago. It's not that big a deal. It is what it is. Uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom delayed by two days. They've pushed it back to December 22nd. So a Wednesday cool. and a Friday instead of a Wednesday? Who cares? I don't care. I don't care. That movie's going to be terrible. Look, early reports from early critic screenings are that the movie is, is, is a pile. And honestly, I'm still flabbergasted the movie's even coming out if I'm being completely honest. So I'm last year. I was so gung ho for Aquaman too. I was so looking forward to it. I couldn't care less right now. And I say that as the guy who likes everything, who is DC's biggest fan, I don't care about Aquaman too. I really don't. I, it just, I, it doesn't look good. Early reports are, it doesn't, it isn't good. It's getting delayed to this day. The movie can't catch a break. It just, I think it's going to come and go. And I'm at a point now where I'm like, this is kind of the last hurrah of we've been, we've been talking about this all year, but this is truly the last wave of the old guard at DC. Yeah. I think the last thing that was in production under the old bosses. I think had it not been for the crazy backlash for the Batgirl thing, they would probably have done that with this movie, but I think you're just trying to like let's just just let's put the the third final nail in the DCFU. <laughs> and I feel I feel like I feel like Warner Brothers Discovery knew what they were getting into. I think I I str- I have a very strong feeling. I'm basing this off of nothing other than just what I've observed and read in interviews. But it's starting to make me feel like Warner Brothers knew 2023 was not going to be the year for DC. They were putting out a lot when when Warner Brothers Discovery became a thing, and they were canceling Batgirl and moving Blue Beetle to theaters and all that I I can almost guarantee they were like hey guys we're gonna we're gonna take some hits in 2023 yeah 
but we need to put this stuff out. We need to just get it out and get it over with and just be done with it. The sooner we can just rip this Band-Aid off and move on to the next chapter under James Gunn, the better. Let's just, you know, Batgirl, Batgirl is not finished enough for us to put it out. Let's nix it. Take the take the tax right off. Let's put out everything else that's done. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst, and let's just get through this year. Yeah. Now, they weren't counting on strikes because they were probably thinking, because 2024, we're dropping the Penguin, and then we're dropping the Batman Part 2 in 2025. We got all kinds of good shit coming next year. It's going to be great. Two strikes hit simultaneously, and everything grinds to a fucking halt. So. So that's 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 what little news there is, kids. There you go. There's your there's your there's your seven minutes of 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 news and nonsense. Um, let's all right, guys. Let's get back into the Dark Knight because we talked about the Dark Knight from a very visual standpoint in terms of the acting and the story depicted on screen and the visuals and special effects. Let's talk about the the production side, the behind the scenes and development side of the Dark Knight because there's a lot here too. Yeah. Not just Heath Ledger's death, but like, man, this is a movie that just as much of a compelling story as the movie itself has the story surrounding the making of that movie is also interesting (laughs) well before we get into that i want to start off with a little bit of uh, maybe it's uh, i feel guilty i start a little little bit of an apology i feel like we spent a lot of time kind of crapping on this movie last time see i don't i don't i don't disagree but I also feel like we made a point numerous times of saying, like, hey, guys, just to be clear, we're nitpicking. We fucking love this movie. Yeah, I, like, we're, we're we're picking at things we've just noticed after watching this movie a thousand times because we love it so much. Well, and I think, too, like, I, I believe I mentioned it before, but I'm going to say it again. It's like, this is 2008. The entirety of the Infinity Saga came out since this movie has come out. So mm. what you see after this movie is a studio that is like a hundred percent. We are going to tell the hero's tale in a comic book way. Mm-hmm. And that's how we're going to do this. And I think having such a great films like yeah. some of the captain America stuff, like iron man, like a lot of the MCU movies where you just like really see these heroes journeys. And on top of that, you see a hero's journey that is not based on let's do this one movie. Okay, mm-hmm. now we can make the second one. Like most it's of those, open, movies, it's, it's more open ended. It's more open ended. There's not a sense of finality. Like like the like the Dark Knight trilogy is building towards an end. Yeah, the MCU is building to go as long as it is financially stable. Well, even like with Batman Begins, like you may have had some ideas, but mm-hmm. you're probably going to get into it. Maybe it'll it'll go against what I'm saying, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. yeah, to me, it looks like the Batman Begins is a movie that they weren't sure they were going to do another one. They had maybe had some ideas when Marvel starts like they know we're going to do three or four movies about all these characters. Plus these when Iron Man one came out in 2008, a couple months before the Dark Knight, and it had that post credit scene of the Avengers of the Avengers tease with with Nick Fury and Tony Stark. I, like most people, were like, there's no fucking way. There's no way. There's no way it'll never work. There's no way they can pull this off because at the time it was 2008. We weren't as plugged into the movie sphere. It was impossible to be. So we didn't know that Marvel had spent years building out a plan that this was the first of a very long plan that we were about to get a bunch of movies back to back. So that by the time the sequel to the Dark Knight comes out, we're already on the Avengers. We didn't know that was possible over the course of four years. Yeah. And so like nowadays we think of it as as 
people are talking about superhero fatigue, which I still don't think exists. I think people are reading this are reading the tea leaves incorrectly. But at the time, wasn't the thing. There was yeah. there was no way. The first time at the that we got any inkling that it was actually going to happen was at the end of the first Thor movie. When after the credits, after the post credit scenes all rolled, they popped a little text that said Thor will return in the Avengers. Yeah. That was the first time they had ever confirmed, hey, guys, the Avengers is happening. Yeah. Like it's coming. And the end of like, Captain America, we got the trailer, a yes. teaser trailer for Avengers. So <laughs> tape your butt shut, guys. <laughs> like, yeah. woo. Yeah. So. So that's kind of where, like, looking back on this movie now, as I'm looking back on it as somebody who has lived through the golden age of superhero multimedia, when it, when the Dark Knight came out, it was a completely different world. The world changed overnight once once the next MCU movie came out. I mean, yeah. the Dark Knight is what changed the world. The Dark Knight changed the Oscars. The Dark Knight changed filmmaking. The Dark Knight changed everything, along with a little from the Iron, from Iron Man and the MCU. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I I think I could say it this way. The Dark Knight is a fantastic movie. It is a fantastic movie. It's a masterclass in filmmaking. It is just not a Batman comic book movie the way we yeah. want to see a Batman comic book movie, especially after how great Batman Begins is as a Batman movie. That that's I think that's my thing. Like it's because I get up because when I watch the Batman, it feels like a singular movie. But it also feels like it's part of a larger world. The Dark Knight feels like it's about Gotham City and only Gotham City, and there's nothing else going on in the world around Gotham. Gotham City is just an outlier full of freaks. Everyone else in the world is totally normal. Well, and that works. That works for the Dark Knight trilogy. It doesn't work as a comic book movie. It works as a movie, not as a comic book movie. But again based on today's standards and what I have come to expect from comic book movies. That doesn't change the fact that this movie, as far as writing and filmmaking, it's a masterclass. Yeah. They and did all the correct choices as far as making a good movie. And for me, I know it's different for you, but for me, this almost goes into Matrix territory. The, sequ the Matrix sequels are so bad, we don't even speak of them. But I think oh. with this... Dark Knight Rises is kind of eh. so what could have come yeah. from this and been great. And I know there's post-production. We're going to get into all of that to today's episode. Well, look, we've, we've teased it. Let's go ahead and let's, let's dive into this because, yes, it's hard because part of the reason we wanted to do this is because it's really hard to talk about the Dark Knight Rises without also talking about the production story of the dark knight because a lot of what happens with the making and the release of the dark knight is what influences how the dark knight rises is developed and that does very much include unfortunately the passing of heath ledger yes um you mentioned this earlier i want to go ahead and get into this because it's going to kind of dictate how the rest of the conversation goes and i'm just going to wind up dancing around it so one big debate that matt and i have been having ever since we <laughs> talked about doing these movies is how how well planned out was the dark knight trilogy if at all because there's been a lot of conflicting rumors ever since batman begins came out yeah as to will christopher nolan do it do a sequel he's never done sequels before he's never done sequels since 
will he stay on what like what are especially because you know after batman begins we still don't have the we still don't have iron man and this is the first like truly well-received batman movie since 89's batman because returns got mixed reviews forever got mixed reviews and people hated batman and robin rightfully so (laughs) as they should have so batman begins was everybody going like oh shit batman's cool again and then the dark knight comes out and everyone's like yo batman's really cool again and so and living in the age of sequels and spinoffs and then the iron man comes out and they're like cool what else are we getting next christopher nolan you gotta again a guy who's by the time he does the dark knight trilogy he's done memento but he's still not like christopher nolan like this big tour de force director he's just an art he's an artist well and and i and let's not forget and and you can correct me if i'm wrong but i I feel like batman begins is successful but it's not like it's this financially monumental hit no it didn't it did not change it was it did not have a life-changing box office Uh, let me pull up the actual numbers here it did well it It did did very well but it did i think in my opinion it does so well it doesn't lose money it does really well but then it's also like then as it goes into because this is our dvd it sales. turns a profit yeah so it had a, it had a budget of approximately 150 million not accounting for marketing uh its total box office to date is 373.7 million dollars yeah. in 2005 so, so most movies have to double their budget to become yes profitable um it does that easily yeah it 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 makes a profit it doesn't make a huge profit, but it made a profit. But again, Batman Begins was coming off of Batman and Robin. Correct. There hadn't been a Batman movie since Batman and Robin. So, you know, but and, also, got- and also you've got the fact that, that the villains are Scarecrow and Ra's al Ghul. Yeah. Not Joker, not Penguin, not, not, not someone familiar. It's like this was some deep cut shit. So people weren't sure about it enough to go see it in theaters it was word of mouth helped batman beyond or batman beyond batman begins a lot well and let's say this a 70 million dollar profit does not equal a sequel no it does not so it must be dvd sales how much people liked it and how much it got reviewed after and talked about it like it becomes i mean they spoofed it in the mtv music awards that year yes they did so it becomes it brings batman back into the zeitgeist and i think that's how you get dark knight not super financial success so so batman begins um was released on dvd and i'm trying to find numbers for like it uh had o- over 12 million dollars in rental revenue the dvd held its position at the top of sales charts for three weeks uh but then just other big stuff started coming out it was the summertime there was big movies everywhere um so it did um but it's had several re-releases um and then yes it so so to get into my original point of like of like whether or not chris how how much of a plan did chris nolan and david goyer have for the dark knight trilogy the answer is christopher nolan none um david goyer a lot how it worked is this here's what we have and it turns out basically, Matt, you and I are both kind of right. <laughs> Just which so, one? <laughs> well, let, let me explain. Let me explain why. I'm right so, for Christopher Nolan. You're right for David Goyer. <laughs> kinda. So, so he does Batman Begins, and he and they they didn't even say like, "Hey, sign on for." They asked him if he'd be willing to sign on for a sequel. And what it literally says in here was that he, alongside his wife and longtime producer Emma Thomas, they had never worked on a sequel film in their careers. However, 
Christopher Nolan sat down with co-writer David Goyer and discussed ideas for a sequel during filming and during filming of Batman Begins developed an outline for two sequels, so a full trilogy, but Nolan remained uncommitted until he saw Batman Begins box office. Mm. He said, I'm not signing paperwork until I know whether or not this is going to be worth my time. Yeah. Um, so he said, he also said that he was unsure of how to continue the narrative of Batman begins while keeping it consistent and relevant. Although he was very interested in incorporating the Joker into the grounded, realistic style established in Batman begins. They started on, they started actual development on the trilogy, not the sequel, the trilogy after Batman Begins comes out and after they finished doing the prestige in 2006. So basically he said, I'm going to let this movie marinate for a year. I'm going to go make the prestige. We'll come back when it's had its run. Oh, look, it turned a, ch- a, ch- a chunk of money. Hey, David, let's write the trilogy. Yeah. So, yes. So you were correct in that he went into this intending to make one and nothing else. Warner Bros. approached him and said, would you do more? He said, I don't know. It's kind of not my thing. David Goyer said, what if we did it as a trilogy? Nolan said, now you're speaking my language. Let me go finish my other crap. When I come back, we'll do that. Yeah. So that's that's the that's the bullet point version of the timeline and the production of The Dark Knight, which is a question you and I have been trying to solve for quite a bit. Correct. <laughs> basically, basically, you and I remember were remembering two halves of two different of the same story. There we go. We were remembering two different halves of the same story. Um, so that's how the movie gets developed is, is Chris Nolan says, ah, I don't do sequels. Goyer says, well, we did as a trilogy. And Nolan said, let's see how the box office does. It made enough money for, for Warner Brothers to be like, hey, we're like, yeah, it didn't have the biggest pro- biggest uh, profit. But considering what we were working against, we did pretty good. And also, Iron Man is out. There's a big buzz for comic book stuff right now. You know, Mar- or not Iron Man's not out, but Marvel's developing their own stuff. Let's let's keep trying with this because we're 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 off to a good start. The Dark Knight comes and comes out the same year as Iron Man and just and just takes over the fucking world. Yes. And the rest is history. I mean, it's <laughs> wild. It's wild. It's wild. Well, and it's it, like I said, I think what you have sometimes is what's the tracking, what's the following? Yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't like I said, it wasn't a big blockbuster, but people are loving yeah. it. People are digging it. Now we could do the Joker. Now we can up the ante. Now we'll give this dude more money to do whatever the crap he wants, especially because yeah. Batman Begins and The Prestige both do very well for Warner Brothers. And that's where I kind of keep saying the whole thing. It's like, I'll do your thing that you want me to do if you let me do the thing I want to do, which seems to be the relationship yes. he has with Warner Brothers. Because after Dark Knight, he does, is that Interstellar? No, Inception. He does Inception after Interstellar, or after the Dark Knight. And then that's what, in Dark Knight is what gets people saying, yo, Christopher Nolan's nobody to mess with. Yes. And then Interstellar, or, or, or um, Inception is what has everybody go, yo, Chris Nolan's a tour de force. Um, and, and then Tenet comes out and it's like, ah, maybe he's kind of a meme. I don't know. We'll see. Y'all don't, don't watch Tenet. <laughs> Tenet's not, I love Christopher Nolan. I love everybody in the movie Tenet. Tenet's not a good movie. I'm sorry. It's just not. Um, yeah, as far as projections go, I don't have a lot of, so something to let you guys know, and Matt and I were talking about this off the mic. We have, we've tried to find a lot of information, like from like old publications about like 
movie industry buzz surrounding the Dark Knight and Batman Begins. Yeah, most of those websites don't exist anymore. Yeah. Or the articles or the articles have just been archived because it's been 20 years. So um, so we're kind of just going off what we can find on IMDb and Wikipedia because that is kind of the, the timeline. As we get into, as we move along with these breakdowns and get into newer movies, this will become less of an issue. But just because of the time, the time when this movie came out, not as much information uh, available digitally. And social, but, it's kind of weird to think about like social media isn't quite a thing yet. As Facebook. Big, there's Twitter's not exactly what it by is. The time, well, by the time the Dark Knight comes out, Twitter exists. Facebook has gone public. MySpace is going the way of the dinosaurs. Yeah. YouTube exists, but like YouTube isn't, isn't the creative sphere that it is today. Um, it social media just isn't a it's it's growing like you can see the seeds being planted of what social media can be but it's not what it is yeah twitter existed but nobody knew how to use it it was still 140 characters at the time <laughs> yeah god remember those remember those caveman days when it was like you had twitter was basically because back remember guys back in the day your facebook posts were just a status of like mike shea is in class mike shea is in his dorm yeah no none, none, none of what you can do nowadays and so twitter was just that twitter was just your status basically i didn't use twitter for months we are not talking about the dark knight right now um, <laughs> so that's kind of where what happened as far as with this as far as the dark knight goes which is just how it kind of got developed was like no one just came in to do one they asked him to do more he was like ah we'll see goyer came in with a script the box office did what it did now the dark knight comes to be now we get into some other production tales behind the scenes we mentioned it last week we should probably heath ledger's death is a big issue with how this trilogy develops yes um we i mentioned it last week i still stand by my statement that the the current state of comic book media doesn't happen without Heath Ledger dying um and I also feel like I really kind of like and, and this is this is a pipe dream I really want to see what they had planned for the third movie with Heath I know we're never going to see it I know Nolan said that he's taken that to his grave out of respect for Heath and his family and I respect that the, the 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 curious little fanboy in me really wants to know what that third movie would have been like i mean comic books baby make it a comic book yeah bro seriously especially nowadays especially with the way dc is going full balls to the wall with comics and they're letting you know paul dano make prequel comics to the batman about riddler man give nolan a give nolan and goyer a, a 12 issue run of just what would what would heath's part three because we know that heath ledger was was heavy into production of part three it's gonna be like um, the know, trial of the Joker. Yeah, something like that. From what I understand, it was gonna be very similar to like what they did in Arkham Knight, which I'm in Arkham City, which I'm kind of cool cool with. <laughs> um, because those games are great, except for the ending of Arkham Knight. It's dog shit. Um, but I really would have just because we know that he let Heath Ledger write because the only because there's a there's a misconception that uh Christopher Nolan directed the entire movie. He did not. That's two he scenes. You let Heath Ledger write and direct two scenes. And those are the scenes with the hand cam with uh, him going full jigsaw on the reporters and stuff on, on the news reports. Heath Ledger did all those himself. 
And if that's the kind, I just, man, I want to know what Heath Ledger wrote for the third movie. I really want to know what he wrote for the third movie. Now, do you subscribe to the idea that he got so deep into this role? That is what got him. I do. And I don't, I, I, I do understand that method acting can sometimes take a lot out of, but I also feel like, as we know now with Robin Williams, that he was battling stuff that we didn't know about until years after his death. I feel like the same could be said about Heath Ledger. I think there was a lot more going on behind the scenes of his life than we will ever know about. And it's not our business to know about it, but he had some demons in his personal life that caught up with him. And it was just an unfortunate combination of the best kind of method acting in the best kind of way. Because, because, you know, you hear reports about, the shit that like Jared Leto was doing on on set <laughs> as Joker, which I still don't know if I buy all of that. I think some of that's kind of exaggerated, but um, Heath Ledger, by all accounts, was a delight. Yes, on set. Um, so it's it's so it, that's what has me going. I don't know if I buy the idea that it was just his role as the Joker that fucked him up. Yeah, because he was working on other stuff when he died. He was working on that uh, Imaginarium uh, of. Dr. Dr. Manassas or something. Yeah. Which I watched and, and was weird. I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard how they worked around his death. And I'm like, that's the best you could probably do with having the other actors. And and, and I was like, yeah, cool. Do what you got to do. Before I've heard that movie, that movie is a bag full of cats that it's just that it's just wild and weird. So yes. I don't know if I don't know if his work on that contributed to it. But again, also, we know he was having issues in his personal life obviously and there's probably things we don't know about so i i'm hesitant to comment on like did the joker kill heath ledger not directly and not in the way i think most people think yeah i think a lot of people chalk this up to he read some joker comic books got too into the character and then just killed himself in a hotel room and i think it's a lot more complicated than that because of course it would be um but there's nothing i have seen in the years since this movie has come out that has led me to think other than the fact the character is just kind of dark and fucked up there's nothing about his performance that leads me to think that this is the thing that killed him and that's not a that's not me taking away from his performance but again just all the stories from Bale and Nolan and and Michael Caine and Maggie Gyllenhaal and Aaron Aaron Eckhart everybody saying no, like he was a delight. He yeah. was a like you never would have known anything was wrong. Oh yeah, like Michael J. White. He was on um, yeah. Schmoes No and talked. I think it was Schmoes No and talked oh, about it was, how it was, it was uh, 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 Collider Live. Okay, Collider Live Collider and talked Live. about how like between takes he was joking around and they were having fun and he was a cool yeah. guy and he said it was so weird he'd be in full character in the makeup and then he'd go back to just being Heath but still in the makeup and there's like it was kind of off putting to have soft-spoken funny gentle heath ledger coming out of that creepy ass joker makeup <laughs> which for my understanding white's an intimidating guy so oh. for him to be like i was uncomfortable at saying something yeah there's stories about that man Ooh, thank god he's a nice guy yeah. <laughs> so thank god that michael j white's a nice guy yeah. but um, like i now this is where it may be rumors or you could back it up as like my understanding yeah. is that he the heath ledger locks himself up in a not locks up but he stays in a hotel developing the makeup developing the story like he comes up with almost everything that yeah. he's 
that the Joker becomes. I mean, I'm, I'm sure him and Nolan are discussing and everything, but it's a lot of a process of him trying to figure out what to what this character is going to be, what he's going to sound like, what he's going to look like. And I think it's it makes sense because I don't like the whole I fell in acid and now my skin is pale and this is why I look at it. I think it's not my favorite Joker origin. <laughs> it's 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 the most comic booky Joker origin. Yeah. Um, I am like you. I kind of like my Joker more of just a psychopath that's really into clowns. Um, that's why Leto's didn't bother me as much as it ever was. I'm like, yeah, no, he strikes me as a psychopath that's putting on makeup and and ruining people's lives. Yeah, yeah, that that's the Joker that tracks. Um, I also feel like we didn't get enough of him to make a proper judgment. But with with Heath Ledger, from what I understand, and it's kind of going along with what you said. From what I understand, was like. I believe the costuming and makeup was Nolan, but I believe the meat of the character, the person, the personality, the pers- the personification of the character was all Ledger. Because we've all heard the stories of him locking himself in a hotel room with comic books for like a week. Yeah, I don't know how much I buy that. That that seems a little uh, a little fairy tale like that he locked himself in a hotel room read comic books for a week and came out as the joker i'm like ah, okay <laughs> okay i have a feeling there were probably just because of what i know now as an adult with how the movie making process works yeah <laughs> there's no fucking way warner brothers was signing checks to a movie if christopher nolan and david goyer weren't at least working with heath ledger on the development of the character because at this point while batman begins was successful it's still not a tested successful property yeah they're willing to just give him carte blanche if this was years later different story in 2008 there's no way on earth they were giving an actor that much carte blanche from a studio standpoint there's no way that that warner Bros. found out about that and was okay with it they would have said like let him develop his character but you know from a credits and payroll standpoint chris and david you're the writer so yeah. write the damn movie please <laughs> don't don't do this please i appreciate it <laughs> yeah um, that being said whatever magic happened behind the scenes it fucking worked oh it's extraordinary to to somewhat argue an almost problematic degree because we no longer have Heath Ledger, so it's hard to say. But and this and this is this, you know this is where my my logical brain versus my artist brain gets gets tied up because from an artist brain I'm like, well, it was worth it because the movie was great. A man died <laughs> for a and a movie got made. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that's the, I was talking about this with somebody last night. We were talking about sides. I had some, some comedy friends over and I was like, you know, the problem in comedy sometimes is, are you doing this because you love making people laugh or because you want to be popular? Like, yeah. you know, with actors, it's like, do you want to be an actor or do you want to be a movie star? Do you want to go be Richard Mole and be in a billion TV shows and movies because you love acting so much? Or are you just trying to get on Graham Norton's couch to sip cocktails with Ian McKellen and tell dirty jokes? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I feel like Heath Ledger intentionally kept himself as an actor. Uh, You know, I've read articles about him where he talked about like doing the Knight's Tale and seeing that the movie is just his face on the poster and going like, nope. This is what I want. I don't want to be nope. that heartthrob 
you know, movie star, I want to be an actor and, and kind of intentionally staying away from that. So, yeah. but I think he was never big in the paparazzi or anything like that. That was what always was so weird. Cause he was this good looking dude, but everyone was kind of, he's like, he just, he just wasn't interested. He just wanted to act and be a dad and yeah, yeah. it's wild, man. All right. Uh, not sure what else we can really say about it other than just, it sucks ultimately i do think it is well here a couple more things and we touched on this last time let's touch on it again today he wins the oscar for his performance ultimately just based on the way the world was back then i don't think he would have won had he lived i really and truly don't i think his death i'm looking at who he went and the he well we looked it up last time it wasn't a huge list no the movies we went to i think is what we looked at oh, oh the actors were oh i don't yeah. remember I, I, think one, I, I think one of them was robert danny jr because tropic thunder came out that year um so i think i think i remember that being a big thing was was who do you who do you because i remember cuba gooding jr kind of uh losing his shit a little bit when he was talking about robert danny jr it's like we're really nominating someone for best actor for acting in blackface but like Tropic Thunder. That was kind of the whole point. Was was to point out how yeah. bad blackface was. Um, oh, but I remember Javier Bardem won for No Country for Old Men for best supporting actor for best support. Well, he was a uh, he, was, he was nominated. No. He was nominated. Wait, I'm sorry, he's nominated. I was going to say Heath Ledger won. That's the whole reason we're yeah, talking about I'm this. To, well, I'm trying to say where are the <laughs> other. I, why do they not have the others listed? Let's see. You not have it? Let me find well, it. I'm trying to find it. There's they don't put those. It, they do. It's it's they're labeled weird. Hang on, let me find the fucking where's the list of awards? Here we go. Okay. List of awards received by the Dark Knight, Academy Award. Freaking winners. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. So uh so Heath Ledger was nominated against alongside Josh Brolin, who played Dan White and Milk, uh Robert Denny Jr., who played Trot who played uh I'm looking at the wrong year, that's why you're looking at the wrong year. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was nominated for his role in Doubt, and Michael Shannon was nominated for his role in Revolutionary Road. Now, Revolutionary Road is a movie I like a lot. It is the one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen in my life, and I never need to watch it again. But Michael Shannon is incredible in that movie. Um, again, that's one of the reasons why I think he should play Two Faces because of his performance in Revolutionary Road. Uh, when I look at the, the names he's nominated alongside Josh Brolin and Milk, Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Doubt, Michael Shannon in Revolutionary Road, I mean, that is a murderer's row of supporting actors that year. Because everybody thought it was going to go to everybody knew it was going to be between Robert Downey Jr. and Heath Ledger, because yeah. they were the two they were they were the two that just kept winning out all year. Any any on the rare occasion Heath Ledger didn't win an award for the Joker that year, it went to Robert Downey Jr. for Tropic Thunder. Because talk about two of the three movies that took over the world in two thousand and eight. You had Tropic Thunder, you had The Dark Knight, and you had Iron Man. Yeah, good God. <laughs> um. Plus all the art house shit that came out that year, like the reader came out that year and was huge. Milk was huge. Slumdog Millionaire, which wins the best picture that year. But also, again, remember, this is the movie that changes the Oscars because this is the last year that they only nominated five movies for best picture. Every year going forward since then, the limit has been increased to 10. Yeah. Although, honestly, now here's a fun fact that has nothing to do with anything. We never actually had 10 nominations until the last couple of years because the way Oscar voting works mathematically it's almost impossible yeah but because they started incorporating streaming movies in the last few years because of the pandemic we suddenly had 10 movies show up also yeah. because there wasn't a whole lot coming out for a while so it was like here's what we got yeah see looking at this okay so okay josh brolin robert Dund like 
for me personally, he definitely yeah. outacts Robert Downey Jr. Oh yeah, and, and and that is nothing against Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. I yeah. watched that movie the other day, and that movie is still problematically hilarious. Yes, <laughs> like it's, it's it's not for the faint of heart, but it's funny, and and he and he's a lot of the reason. Why I mean, movie the movie's okay. about the ridiculousness of that happening. They're not trying to take yes. it seriously, so it's okay. No, but. no, no. Yeah, no, but but it's one of those. It's like. Robert Downey Jr. is so good in Tropic Thunder until he takes the makeup off at the end. You forget that's Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> hey, you know, yeah, but um, no, but yeah, compared to everybody else, it's Heath Ledger. Yeah, so I, I, I like I think he wins whether he passes or not. I, in my opinion, but I also have not seen the others because they're movies I would never watch. As somebody who has seen the others, I can tell you that was his performance the best and most deserving of the Oscar? Yes, that's not the question. The question is, would the Academy have given him an award for a comic book movie had he not died in 2008? The answer I say to that is still no. Because it's because because the award the movie comes out in 08, these awards are in 09. We're only a year removed from Iron Man and the Dark Knight. People, the 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 Oscars to this day still don't know how to feel about comic book movies. To this day in 2023, still don't know. Black Panther getting a Best Picture nomination in 28 in 2019 was still an outlier. Joaquin Phoenix getting nominated for his role as the Joker and winning was still an outlier. So Heath Ledger doesn't win if he doesn't die. I will die on that sword because. Nobody cared enough about con- even as good as it was. It made a billion dollars. This was also the only award that movie got nominated. Well, the only award that it won for at the Oscars that year. It was also the only non-technical award it got nominated for. Everything else it got nominated for was sound and yeah. and makeup and editing, visual effects. Yeah, all stuff deserved and didn't win for. It. But it's a comic book movie in two thousand eight. I don't care how good it is. He's not winning if he doesn't die. It would have gone to Robert Downey Jr. It would have gone. He wouldn't have even been nominated. And it would have gone to Robert Downey Jr. Tell you that right now. I, I mean, I can't. I, I feel like I want to have the argument, but there's also part of me goes like, I don't know, because like, it, here's, someone invent time travel so we can figure this the hell out or well, multi no. multi dimensional travel. I want to know. I really want to yeah. know. Well, because I think too, this harkens back to like all I'm thinking is Brandon Lee from The Crow. Yeah. Who? God, so good. He's he's uh, fantastic, but the movie rules. he gets no recognition, none, nothing at was, all. Because it was a comic book movie in the eighties, nineties. Nobody gave a shit, and he was Bruce Lee's kid. Nobody really gave a shit. Yeah, so Bruce I, Lee made a lot of enemies in Hollywood. So that too, but yeah. um, no, I so yeah, I may have to kind of. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to cram. I'm not, I didn't mean this to be the whole fucking show, but no, it's no, just no. like. It's 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 the legacy of this movie. Like the legacy of this movie is what it does to the film industry. Yeah, but that and doesn't I, happen if he Ledger doesn't die. And I still think it's a crime that Christian Nolan wasn't wasn't uh, nominated for best director. Look, you don't want to give it best picture, fine. Yeah. But I cannot believe, especially I saw what was the other what are the other movies? The, oh, that were up year? for like best picture that year. It was the same ones. It was you got to remember this is back when everything was five nominees per category, and it was pretty much the same five movies in every category. Yeah, like if you were nominated for best actor, your movie was nominated for best picture. That's not as much of a thing these days because there's so many other outlets they pull from now. In 08, that was it. 
because there also wasn't as many movies coming out back then. Okay. Let's say, okay. Frost, Nixon, Milk, The Reader, Curious Case of Ben, ben Button, and, and Slumdog. Which wins? No, the Slumdog Millionaire won for Best Picture. Yeah, Slumdog Millionaire won. Um, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, that is not a better movie than Dark Knight. I'm sorry. Uh, good but, movie, though. But, but here's what I will say about all five of these movies. All five of them are excellent. All five of these movies are great. All five of these movies are fantastic. Milk is great. The Reader is wonderful. One of Kate Winslet's best performances. Frost Nixon is is crazy. Carrie Cageman Button is not better than Dark Knight, but it's a good movie. Yeah. Brad, Brad Pitt is very good in the Career Kids Benjamin Button. Oh, yes. And, and Slumdog Millionaire is wonderful. That movie is, is crazy. So it's just yeah. it, this happens every Oscars. It's 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 like, yeah, this thing didn't win, but also like unless it's a ridiculous choice, sometimes you gotta ask yourself, yeah, but what do you take out? You know what I mean? Yeah. Of, of this list, I'm not sure. That's why the list was expanded to 10. I mean, I would five. take out all of them because yeah. they're uninteresting movies to me. Because <laughs> they're, yeah. they're not the Dark Knight. Look, Everything I, is not the Dark Knight. <laughs> trust me, I learned a long time ago to never watch the movies that are nominated for Best yeah. Picture because I did that one year and I was like, I will never do that. I've done it twice. And I was like, it all depends on what you're going to the movies for. Yeah. And for, for guys like you and me, I'm going to have a good time. Do I like the stuff that gets nominated? Yeah. That, I'm not saying that it's bad. It's just not what I want to spend my time and money watching. Yeah, you know, I have I have times and places when I will watch that stuff because I have it's just not always in the theater. Um, oh, that's right. This is also the same year that like uh, 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 live action or not live action uh, animated film uh, Wally one back when they only did three animated movies. Yeah. Um, so Joker. Yes, I don't. I personally don't think like, look, I've played a villain twice. Right. And it's fun. I like playing a villain. Well, one of the times I had a good time with it. The other time there, there was, I remember there was a single day that I don't know if I want to get into that at the end of that day, I was like, I feel gross. I need to shower. I need to unplug from this role. Mm -hmm. And I think I may have told you about it, but I'll tell you about it off here. Um, But it was just like, yeah. So I could, I can only imagine having months of that. And it could affect mm-hmm. you, but yeah, it, it, everything I've, I've read about his passing is, I don't know if that's what brought him to that point. Um, I'm sure it may have been a factor, but I don't think it was the, yeah. I don't think it was the forgive the pun, but the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Now, do we want to discuss the suit again at all? Um, Not, not in so much. Either. I do want to talk a little bit about some of the, some of the other casting options that went through for some other characters uh, in do the it. movie, Um, particularly for Harvey Dent, Harvey Dent, they really, ran the gamut looking for just the right actor because Heath Ledger they kind of just fell into like like I from what I understand he was kind of Nolan's like only choice yeah the thing I read was that he read for Batman Nolan liked him but they both agreed he was not the right choice for Batman yeah and then Killian Murphy Killian Murphy also read for Batman that's how he got Scarecrow Killian Murphy was like up there to like he he screen tested yeah, he he. There's a screen test of him, and I think it's him and Michael Caine doing yeah. uh, a Bruce Wayne scene together. Yeah, but it's ultimately it's it's Bale's screen test in the suit that I think yeah. gets it for him. But Killian Murphy crushed the odd. I mean, I've seen the audition tape. It's very good. I get why he was in the running, but 
I also love him as Scarecrow and his career of working with Nolan since this movie is, I mean, it's, you, you've seen it. Yeah. You've seen, you've seen Inception. You, Oppenheimer is a tour is, is a masterpiece and, and Killian Murphy is flawless in Oppenheimer. Um, so I'm so glad that he did work with Nolan in these Batman movies because of what it did for him. But yeah, they, they really ran a gamut of trying to find the perfect, who they felt was the perfect Harvey Dent. Now I love Aaron Eckhart as, as Harvey Dent. We talked about this last episode. I just wish we'd gotten more of him. Yeah. Um, Who's on but, the list. So the names they had on the list were, and these are all, I'm reading these right now off a list, Robert Redford. I'd watch that. I'd watch that 20 years earlier. Yes. Robert Redford is a young man in his prime, like French or not French connection. Uh, what's the one where he's the work of the newspaper? All the president's all the men. men, all the president's men. Robert Redford is Harvey Dent. Sign me up yesterday. Yeah. Um, Josh Lucas, Ryan Philippe, no. Mark Ruffalo and Matt Damon were all names he considered. Uh, Matt Damon actually didn't even get to audition though because of school uh, scheduling conflicts. But um, you said Josh Lucas and who else? Josh Lucas, Ryan Philippe, and Mark Ruffalo. Josh Lucas, I could kind of see. I can kind of see it. My only problem is like he he had already been like the, the kind of like the prick villain too many times up to this point, yes. I think. So I don't know if you so feel it, bad for him. <laughs> so I'm trying to see if I can figure out when they started casting. I, it doesn't have a date on it. But we're assuming they probably started casting in 2006, about a year after Batman Begins, when they knew they were going to do Harvey Dent. In 2006, Josh Lucas has done a small part in American Psycho, which probably having to do Christian Bale. Um, the Deep End. He was in A Beautiful Mind, but he was he was in Sweet Home Alabama. He was he was the the husband in Sweet Home Alabama with Reese Witherspoon. Okay. Um, Wonderland, Ang Lee's Hulk, Secondhand Lions and uh that's it at this point so he's he's done some stuff that he's gained some notoriety for we all know how i feel about american psycho and i wonder if because you already got christian bale in here as batman who when we, when we've talked about when he's batman especially when he's playboy batman i'm not as big into it because it's a little too much like american psycho and i wonder if they had a similar thing happen with josh lucas where it was like this just feels like an american psycho sequel um <laughs> But also at that point, he hasn't like like, yeah, people liked a beautiful mind. They weren't talking about him. People were people who love rom-coms like Sweet, Sweet Home Alabama. My mom loves that movie. <laughs> um, and the less said about Angley's Hulk, the better. So yes. but, but it wasn't like he was like like he was. A, but no one was really talking about about Aaron Eckhart either. But um, it would have been a, a I think it would have had a similar vibe to Aaron Eckhart. But I ultimately feel like Josh Lucas is just. Aaron Eckhart on Wish. You I, know mean, what I mean, maybe he would have had actual chemistry with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Who knows? Well, that's a, asking someone to have chemistry with Maggie Gyllenhaal is like asking the Atlantic Ocean to be dry. It's just not. I love Maggie Gyllenhaal. She's not good in this movie. Um, Ryan Philippe is one of those actors I've never been on board with. Yeah. I'm not a Ryan Philippe fan. I've never been a Ryan Philippe fan. I'm sorry, Sarah Michelle Geller. I love you. And I love the movie Cruel Intentions, but I do not like Ryan Philippe. I do not think he's ever been good in anything I've seen him in. I think he is a guy who got really popular because he's a good looking dude and he's kind of lucked into some success. I do not think he's a good actor at all. 
So I'm the same. I'm, I'm, I'm with you as well. Mark Ruffalo as Two Face is really weird to me. Out. That's different. That's different. And I'm trying to I'm trying to think like okay, Mark Ruffalo and Zoe because I'm so used to Mark Ruffalo as as Bruce Banner. So I'm having to remember that he's done other things. So I'm thinking okay, Mark Ruffalo at this point in his career has done 13 going on 30, and Zodiac has come out at this point. Collateral. Right? Yeah, he's awesome. Collateral. Collateral. God, I forget he's in Collateral. Yeah, he looks so, so good. He's so different but looking. I, but and so it's not that I think he would have been a bad Harvey Dent. I don't know if I buy him as Two Face. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But it's hard to say because I'm so used to him as Bruce Banner. I don't know. It's a hard sell. Ultimately, though, I'm very happy with how Aaron Eckhart does. Very happy with how Aaron Eckhart does, so much so that I'm mad we didn't get more. Yeah. And I think that's a testament to it's like. It's like, what'd you think of Two Face? I wanted more. It wasn't enough of it. That's a testament to how good it is because we didn't get enough. It le- it wasn't like I was like, eh, it was okay, but he was barely in it, so it really didn't matter. It's like, no, he was really good, but he was barely in it. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, I. This is a horrible thought. I'm wondering how much they were kicking themselves in the pants for killing him in the Dark Knight. He would have made a great villain for the third film. Well, but again, I that goes into my. I think. From what I from what I remember reading, the plan was for him to come back in the third one. They were going to fake Harvey Dent's death, lock up Two Face, ah, and then part part of the ramifications of that would come in part three when the Joker breaks free and is like, Harvey Dent's still alive. Batman didn't kill those people. He's locked up with half his face missing in in Blackgate, guys. Yeah, and then that turns everybody against Gordon and the city um interesting that's what i think the original that's looking at the ending how it ends and knowing kind of what they were said planning on doing for the third one prior to heat ledger dying that's what i i feel like i read that somewhere maybe i'm just drawing my own conclusions i feel like i read that somewhere though yeah but anyway um i've i have looked and looked and looked trying to figure out like what the process was between eliminating katie holmes and replacing her with um maggie gyllenhaal the most i've been able to find is this um katie holmes got signed on to do the movie uh mad money yeah and um because at the time she was offered mad money the future of the dark knight trilogy was still up in the air nolan hadn't signed on to do the sequel yet and so katie holmes was like well i don't know what's happening so i'm gonna go continue to act because i need to pay bills yeah so she went and got another job and was like, sorry, can't do Dark Knight. Uh, well, so they replaced her with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Was it an improvement? I don't know. Look, I don't want to I don't want to harp on Maggie Gyllenhaal too much because we've we've we've, we've talked about it a lot. And I, and I don't want to just drag Maggie Gyllenhaal, but she is kind of the glaring problem with this movie. Um, I just I feel like the problem, but we talked about it last week. I think the problem is just Rachel is just a, a made up character that doesn't contribute anything to the overall story and could have just been Gilda um all the other casting stays the same so not much to go in there uh they shot the whole thing over in uh liverpool glasgow again um now this was what was crazy and i wanted to spend some time talking about this but man the use of imax in this movie oh yeah it's insane the use of imax in this movie is nuts it's it's it blew my gourd when i saw this in theaters the first time oh yeah i could not believe these sweeping city shots dude and and the fact that again remember in 2000 this is made in 2008 at the time there's like 
four IMAX cameras in the world, and they break two of them making this movie. <laughs> yeah, because I, th- I think I went and saw it. Yeah, it's the best story ever. These things cost six figures a day to rent from the IMAX people, yeah. and they broke two of them shooting uh, the the tumbler bat pod stuff. Yeah, I think I I um I saw this movie in the theater, and then knowing that it was IMAX scenes, mm-hmm. I went back and watched it in IMAX like two or three weeks later. Yeah, and loved it even more man uh especially now in 2023 when i get to watch this on a big ass hd tv or on my super nice studio monitors like oh yeah oh it's so good um he actually talked about no no one talked about how he tried to get the imax stuff for begins they just didn't have it in the budget they couldn't mm. justify it in the budget because it was the first one out the gate yeah and that's asking a lot for your first one out the gate after batman and robin so after that is when Nolan was like, I need I need money for IMAX cameras if you really want to see what I can do. And WB was like, here's a check. Please write down a figure on it and we will sign it. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, and so but the funny thing about IMAX is IMAX cameras, part of the reason they're so expensive is because they shoot in such a large format. The film is expensive and you can only shoot so much footage like those reels are all at the time. Yeah, IMAX film is only can only film so many minutes of footage. I think he said that when you look at, I have it right here. The film includes fifteen to twenty percent IMAX footage running about twenty eight minutes, because that's all they had. Yeah. Um, nowadays, because we've all seen the pictures from off from the production of Oppenheimer, it's all shot in IMAX, and the reel of IMAX film is massive. Oh yeah. It takes trucks to move these 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 reels of film. Well, was so was an Endgame shot entirely in IMAX? If memory serves correctly, I correct do me? not know. No, Endgame was shot entirely on a green screen. Um, I actually do not know. I actually I do not know for sure. You might be right because in the time since the then that's again, this is one of the ways the Dark Knight changes comic book movies and comic book media because the idea of somebody using one of the most precious pieces of filmmaking technology to make a sequel to a comic book movie in 2008 yeah is insanity i cannot imagine the looks the warner brothers people were getting from other film studios when they were like you showed out how much money for what on what movie (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) are you trying to go out of business are you looking forward to 2023 and seeing how much money you're going to lose and figuring let's jump on the gun right now? Cause Holy crap. And it works so well that I think the dark Knight rises is like half IMAX, if not almost entirely. Yeah. It definitely has a lot more in that one than, than, yeah. I mean, you're, you're printing money now when you do a billion dollar movie, you absolutely are. And I, I feel like, especially that's why they let him kind of do what he wants with the dark Knight rises too. It's because like, the Dark Knight, like Batman Begins was a proof of concept. The Dark Knight was, see what happens when you let me do my thing? Yeah. See that? <laughs> yeah. Look, see that? You see, see what I did? Hey, hey, Hollywood, this is Christopher Nolan. Give me all your money. <laughs> this also is the beginning of a very long and lovely relationship between Christopher Nolan and Warner Brothers because he every movie he does is distributed by Warner Brothers until Oppenheimer. Yeah. 
Oppenheimer is the first movie he does that is not distributed by Warner Brothers because they were still going through the the, the Discovery merger BS when uh, uh, production started with Oppenheimer. Also, you know, at that point he'd made like 50 movies with them. So, yeah, let him go do something else. Yeah. Um, thank God. Oppenheimer, I cannot stop talking about it. That might be my favorite movie of the year. Oppenheimer was so good. Um, but yeah, it's nowadays. Yeah. The idea of a comic movie using an IMAX camera to shoot a cool action sequence is, is, is nothing. That's a, that's a Tuesday. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a sign up list on Google forms to, to check out the, uh, to check out they're using Airtable to check out those IMAX cameras. Like back in the day it was unheard of. So that's again, another way of like, yeah, guys, we can make really good comic book movies if we just take them seriously and make them like we would any other movie make use the best tools for the job get a good get get the best cash you can and just give it 110 percent. don't write it off as just another comic book movie and now look at the world that we live in well and you watch something like the dark knight or dark knight rises and you go like i totally get why people keep talking about him for 007 Oh, a thousand percent. It's like, oh my gosh. Give Christopher Nolan a Bond movie. Do it now. Oh, it will be incredible. And yeah. don't get me wrong. The work that, damn it, I'm blanking on his name. The guy that's done with the, the did, uh, uh, who, who did the last one? Um, crap. But No Time to Die was an incredible ending to Daniel Craig's run on James Bond. And if we're in the, pro- if we're at a point now where we're like, hey, let's pause for a few years and then do a hard reboot on James Bond and tell some cool new stories that having to worry about continuity. Please let Christopher Nolan play in that sphere. Please, please. I, I don't ask for much. I just want, I just want the unpublished unfinished script from Heath Ledger's third dark Knight movie. And for Christopher <laughs> Nolan to make a bond movie, I am not asking for a lot. I don't think you'd be the judge. Um, I, the post-production the production on this movie is insane the legacy of this movie is insane which is kind of what this this has turned into i meant for this to be a part two of breaking down the production of the dark knight but it's really kind of turned more into let's look at the legacy of this movie because we're about to jump forward four years in our next batman breakdown and after the dark knight rises when we start getting into the snyderverse bbs justice league (laughs) We're coming up on where it's time to talk about the Batman again. You know, we're 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 creeping up there. So now that we're here at the Dark Knight, I think this is this is the right time for us to be having this conversation of like, let's look at what the legacy of this movie is, because that legacy, the world that this movie helps create, is going to shape the next few months of this show. Yeah, well, because I, I you know I've said it before, I don't think you get the MCU without Batman Begins, and I don't think you get the like the you know look by the time dark knight comes out you're they're already well in production of several of the mcu movies yeah because iron man comes out three months beforehand it comes out in may yeah this comes out in june july june summer they're three, three months apart i remember the yeah. being because I, I watched iron man when i was in college at my freshman year and then i watched dark knight when I was yeah. working my summer job after co- after the freshman year yeah. of college, and Incredible Hulk comes out soon after that. So comes out that same year. It comes out that summer. Incredible Hulk comes out like the same time as the Dark Knight, give or take. Yeah. So then you got yeah, a couple weeks. Iron Man two, Thor, and Captain America. Iron all... Man two is not, Iron Man two is two thousand and ten. Yeah, and then you get 
Thor in 2011, you get Captain America in 2011, and then you get the Avengers in 2012. Yeah, my my point more is that like this movie can't influence those first Phase One movies because they're all in production ish. The planning, but once I wonder, you hit Avengers, you can see the the footprint of what is happening in this movie as far as the filmmaking level is there in Avengers and continues into phase two. Because the dark Knight rises again, we know it's a plan B, We know, it's the plan B movie, maybe even plan C, but you can definitely tell there was a tiny bit of influence from the idea that by the time it comes out, Oh, we're in a world where the Avengers exist. Hey, Chris, can you, do it a tiny bit of comic book world building with the with your third movie just a <laughs> little teeny tiny because they do a little teeny tiny bit little teeny tiny bit not a big bit but a little teeny tiny bit in building out the lore of batman in this world and i think that's all because the avengers comes out and they were afraid to leave it super close-ended yes they were like they're like tie a ribbon on it but not a super tight ribbon that's why batman doesn't actually die at the end of the dark knight rises spoiler alert yeah, tie I think a ribbon on Bruce Wayne. Don't tie a ribbon on Batman. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if Christopher Nolan had had his way, Batman would have just straight up died at the end of The Dark Knight Rises. But he knew that Warner Brothers was about to was about to cut a big business deal with him. He was about to sign on to distribute his movies with them. He was about to, you know, after The Dark Knight Rises, he signs on as a creative executive producer with all the dceu at least for the first chunk of anything Zack snyder touched so and everybody when and when that wayne enterprises satellite shows up in man of steel everyone's like yo is bail coming back yo is bail coming back yo is bail coming back (laughs) like because he was our batman we didn't think we could do any better at that point and again it's not until the dark knight comes out that those flags get planted Guys, I don't know what else we can say. We've talked about the creation of this movie. We've talked about the superhuman level of quality with this movie. And we've talked about the lasting legacy of this movie and how it has shaped the world we live in 15 years later as comic book fans and as film fans. And from here on out, as far as the show goes as well, we now start when we start doing these breakdowns every month, we're going to start transitioning into now we're no longer looking at these through nostalgia lenses. We're looking at these as recent history lenses. Yeah. And this movie once we is get in, once we get into the, into, into the Snyderverse, it's all recent history. Yeah. And the big thing with this movie is like, this movie is so important. It is the only one, in my opinion, we're going to do a two part run because we don't need to do oh, part yeah. of the next couple. <laughs> we're, we're also not doing this again because the 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 strain on our schedules for this has been insane as well um so yeah <laughs> but it's also it's the dark knight yes this is the this is uh, until the batman comes out this is the most landmark batman movie until the until the batman yeah. so if anything this show doesn't exist without the dark knight yeah plain and simple Look, this 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 movie still is one of the top comic book movies of all time. Yeah, you know we we, we discussed it. 
with the like you know batman begins is my preferred batman movie still mm-hmm. thus far is probably the one i will always go back to watch but there is still an incredible story here i didn't i liked and i enjoyed watching it um and it's you know we'll we'll really have to see I, i'm i'm curious to see how much what the the next episode is because i think that's going to be a 20 minute one <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be doing some, hey guys don't be surprised if we have some short episodes uh also give you guys a heads up so we're dropping this on november we're dropping this the first friday in november um i do want to let you guys know going uh just just to let you know uh for the month of december i personally am taking a month off from just everything um i run two podcasts a youtube channel and a stand-up comedy career i'm tired y'all uh and and december you know we're getting into the holidays thanksgiving's this month christmas is not far behind after that um december so it's the holidays we both have families we're both busy matt has a wife and kids i have a cat um and a roommate um we're both going to be traveling we're both going to be doing things so do not be shocked if in b- between now and the end of the year and eh, if we miss a week or two um we're going to try to bank some stuff for the month of december just so you guys can can still have some cool uh, batman and dc conversations with us um and we'll do our news but other than that uh, i'm taking the month of december off so like unless like they announce casting of batman or we get more stuff you know or the strike ends um we're gonna have a lot of banked stuff and, and, and a lot of stuff that'll stuff. be going not gonna through. Be, not gonna be super topical, uh, but you guys can still hit us up on our twitters and in yes. our, our social medias. We'll respond. Like we're not yeah. disappearing. We're just gonna try and guys. It's the holiday season. Yeah. <laughs> we're just, we're, sorry. Look, you're probably busy too. Uh, so don't be shocked if uh, in the coming weeks we miss a week or two. Uh, but that guys, I don't know. We've now spent two episodes talking about the legacy and the masterfulness of filmmaking that is the dark knight i don't know what else we can possibly say and i always say that all the time but i really truly do not know what stone we have left uncovered but i'm sure you guys would love to let us know if you're listening to us on good pods please let us know in the comments on this episode when you leave a rating and listen to it if you are listening to us anywhere else please leave a rating and review on your apps and hit us up on twitter at we are the batman you can find me on twitter at mr mike shea me on twitter at mr j ninja that will do it for this week's episode of we are the batman we'll see you guys again next time same bat time same bat podcast channel bye bye